Welcome, welcome one and all to the first ever Empire Rights Back podcast. We are so excited to bring you board with us. I'm site expert John Franklin, alongside my co-site expert Sean Dyer. Sean, let's talk to New York sports today. Let's do it. All right, well, you know, just recently we had the NHL draft come at us and a lot of top shelf news from everyone, Rangers, Devils, a little bit from the Islanders, but not as exciting as most fans would have hoped with uh, yeah. the Islanders' recent play, but... Why, why don't you start us off? The Rangers had a, a pretty good, pretty good night for themselves on draft night, huh? They did, yes. So they uh, decided to participate in the first round of the draft for the first time since 2012. Uh, they had traded their first round picks 2013 through 2016 uh, to try to make some some win now moves, which they did. They've gone to the playoffs for 11 out of the last 12 seasons. However, haven't been able to get the cup, so they decided to make some picks this year. They had two. Uh, they got. The number seven pick in the draft, Elias Anderson, uh, should be a stud. He's a center. Hopefully, we'll take the place of Derek Stepan because that's who they lost to get the pick. They traded Derek Stepan, uh, who's been playing for I think almost seven seasons for the Rangers. He's been a fan favorite. He's a great guy, great player. Uh, they also traded backup goalie Antti Ranta. Uh, so they lost some pieces, but they added a few. Uh, also got uh, Philip Scheidel. Uh, 21st overall, so two young guys that hopefully will uh, they need they need some some fresh faces, some young blood. So hopefully that'll help them get over the top. Yeah, I mean obviously we look at these guys. We, we're we're fans first. We, we're we're not necessarily like the most credentialed reporters out there, but looking at yeah. it from a fan perspective, um, I'm not a Rangers guy. You're a Rangers guy. Yeah. Do you think this is a move that had to be made right away? Do you think it was something that? Necessarily, is going to do the job to make it a win now mentality in New York. Uh, I think I think it's definitely hard to sell fans on losing a guy like Stepan because he's been such a big part of the team recently. But at the same time, you got to look at it, and they haven't been able to get what you want to get. You haven't got the cup yet, and as great as it is, keep going to the playoffs every year. That's not really what you're looking for, especially in a market like like New York. It's tough just because you're not really you're not really satisfied with a couple wins in the playoffs. You want championships. Uh, it's a city accustomed to winning championships, so I think um, for me, I haven't, I've never paid attention too much attention to the NHL drafts because the Rangers have never been involved in that first round. So it was nice to actually read some reports on players and actually pay attention to it a little bit this year. And uh, I do like the Anderson pick. I don't know as much about Chaitel, but this kid Anderson, he was seventh overall pick. So hopefully, they said he is the. Out of all the players in this draft, could be the quickest to the NHL. They may see him actually playing for the Rangers this year. So, I think it's a little mixture of playing towards the future and still trying to win now by getting a guy that's pretty close to NHL ready. I mean, when you get a guy that's so NHL ready, uh, from the way you're describing him, it seems almost as if, look, we know the Rangers are good. The right. Rangers know the Rangers are good. The league knows the Rangers are a good team. I mean, you're looking at an Eastern Conference that has had arguably some of the best talent that we've seen in our entire life of watching hockey with, you know, Sidney Crosby, you got the Alex Ovechkins, yep. guys like that are super talented. And to be fair, have the Rangers ever really had that superstar on the ice for them that's going to get the job done? Do you think this kid could maybe end up being that, that centerpiece? Right, so that's the future. Yeah, so I was when you were just saying that, I was, I was thinking is there really hasn't been the big name guy. I mean, they signed Rick Nash, who's supposed to be a big name guy, but he's a little bit on the older end, and he hasn't been quite. There's nobody quite like Crosby and Ovechkin, but even no, yeah. you're looking like a Patrick Kane or somebody like, or even PK Subban. Those are the top tier names. 
where Rangers have been led by like the Matt Zuccarellos and the Chris Criders and Stepan and Derek Broussard before they traded him last year. Those aren't the big name guys. No, no. And when you don't have a first round pick from twenty since twenty twelve, it's tough to find that big name guy unless you go pay somebody big money. And the Rangers haven't had a lot of money to spend, and that's one of the reasons why they traded guys like Stepan and Ron to clear some space. But the best way to get a stud like that is through the draft because yeah, it's hard. Develop. Yeah, because a guy like Ovechkin and Crosby, they're never going to hit the market. Those guys are, no, yeah. get drafted by your team, and then you're, that's lifetime. That's who you're going to be with. Especially so I, when you win. Like, right. a guy like Crosby's never going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, no. He's back-to-back championships already, and it's there's no he's not going anywhere. As Meanwhile, Ovechkin's had some troubles winning in D.C., yeah, so maybe but... he gets moved. But, but uh, yeah, I think uh, definitely having a, a top-ten pick – Helps because especially most times when you go to the playoffs, you're not going to have a top ten pick. Um, so I think hopefully this Anderson kid can get get to uh, the Garden quick and uh, start scoring some goals. And just kind of straying from that, the topic of the draft, and still talking about the Rangers a little bit. You know, they still got the king between the pipes, and he, right. he's there. You know, he's obviously been the money piece, and everybody always says with hockey, you need a hot goalie to win you a championship. Yep. And, you know, Henrik has obviously been great, and his whole career he's been absolutely masterful, but at a certain point, does does age become a question mark? Like any, any other sport, but when you're in the draft, you take a center with a team that you're trying to win with. Are you a little worried having somebody with that kind of age holding it down in the crease, or as a fan in that well, perspective? Well, father time is undefeated, but yeah. uh, watching the Rangers this year, I think I think Lundqvist does still have some left, some things left in the tank, but yeah, definitely the championship window is open only as long as Henrik is is Henrik as we've known him. Uh, once his play, and he had, he did have a few issues this year, and he also had some health issues, uh, which is why a guy like Ronta was so important. So it's definitely important to replace him after trading him. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have your heavier window while your your superstar is in his prime, and once that starts to go, your window starts to close quicker and quicker. So, yeah, they definitely have to. Uh, once they have to make some moves now, and if uh, if Lundqvist's play starts to suffer, then then it could be some real trouble. I mean, look, I, I'm a Devils guy. I I got to watch it firsthand. Martin Brodeur, yeah, who yeah. who liked to kind of push away father time in the worst <laughs> in the worst kind of way he never i mean he never hurt anyone but at a certain point they got no one to hang it up he brodor brett farved it you yeah. know like he, he, yeah, he was it's... the brett Favre of hockey there's no doubt in my mind and you know you kind of and you see what happened to the devils i mean they've had so many down years in a row ever since you know that run to the cup in 2012 uh, like 2011 2012 where now they're the, they're getting the top overall pick in the draft yeah like that's that's where the decline happens. It's actually it it's not fun to watch from a fan side. Yeah, and when you have a guy like a Brodor or even a Lundqvist, like those are, especially Brodor, that is like larger mis- than life. Mr. Devil. That's like yeah. he's the guy. So it's hard to tell him. It's hard to push them away and say, Marty, it's over. Like yeah, you're not you're not really helping us win games right now. So it's that's definitely on the front office to be able to put a contingency plan in. So when you finally are able to tell that guy it's over. You have that guy that's ready. So I, that's why at least the Rangers have done a nice job recently is they had Cam Talbot, who was one of the better yeah. backup goalies in the league. He's been Sent him off consistent. to Edmonton, and he look at you see what he did in the playoffs. So the, And then they were able to replace him with Ranta, who was real good, and he's going to have a chance uh, to start in Arizona. 
So they've had they've done a nice job of having a good backup, but the best backup in the world isn't going to win you a cup. So yeah, they definitely have to uh, do do their best to win while Lundqvist. Maybe only have a few more years before it's Lundqvist. Whether he's in net or not, it may not be the Lundqvist that we've known. Yeah, I mean, like let me let me kind of segue this conversation to something else about the draft. We've I've been so lucky to talk to you about a cup for your team, <laughs> but. The, the Devils have been awful. Yeah. My, my entire youth was watching a successful Devils team. This has been some of the worst hockey I've seen in a long time. We get the top overall pick. The Devils get the top overall pick. And, you know, there was a lot of talk. Are they going to take uh, Nolan Patrick out of Canada? And, and then, you know, this kid who they end up taking, this Nico Escher, who comes in pretty much out of nowhere out of Halifax. He was like, the way people have been describing it, the way that I read into it is that he skyrocketed up draft boards. He had an unbelievable World Juniors with Switzerland. He, uh, in his, I believe it was in five games, he had seven points, which is an unbelievable yeah, statistic for a young for. guy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the Devils have kind of made a transition in their time, and I think this kind of marks the end of the BSing of we're in a rebuilding phase. I think this kid should be the end of it. I mean, he's 18 years old, but he's got all the intangibles of a good NHLer. He's a fast skater. He's got quick legs. He's a scorer. He had 86 points in 57 games, 38 goals, 47 assists. I believe 38 goals and 40. Oh, the math not there, but <laughs> 38 goals and four and 46 assists. That was it. Um, it's just a very talented young player. And, you know, the Devils have totally made a transition. When I was a kid, I'm, I'm sure you remember watching it. It was an enforcer-type team. You have Rodor and Everton. You got Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer playing defense. Yep. Then you got Patrick Elias running the offensive set, a sniper, goal scorer kind of guy. And then now we're in this era of when they made that second run, that latest run to the cup that I just mentioned, Adam Henrique came out of nowhere, this finesse center who's going to dish and make plays. And now they're saying, all right, now we got to find playmakers to build around this playmaker mentality. Now you get Mike Camilleri. You get Taylor Hall on some ridiculous trade that I'll still never understand to this day. And now you bring in this Heischer kid who is supposed to be the next great playmaker. Yeah, someone to be excited about. I'll be – I'm excited, but let me tell you I'm done waiting. There's no defense. <laughs> there's no defense on this team, and Heischer's supposed to be – a two-way player. Um, he's supposed to be able to play both ends of the puck, both sides of it. But I, I've gotten to the, the point of being a fan where I need to watch winning hockey. The Prudential Center got fans in seats for the first, I'd say, half, generously half of this year because Taylor Hall was on the ice. But then they couldn't win. Yeah. You know, it's impossible to watch bad hockey. Yeah, I think I think the only thing... I mean, I'll, I'll be a little negative here. As not a, not a Devils fan, the only negative is that this year's class didn't have that Connor McDavid or the Austin right. Matthews that you think like, oh, this is he's going to take us. Yeah, exactly. As as good as this Hershey Cape may be, uh, he's not he's not McDavid or Matthews. But no. I mean, you take what you, you take what you can get. As I mean, you have the number one pick. It's not like you have a choice to take somebody better. So yeah, you gotta gotta be excited. But yeah, definitely. Uh, Need to step it up over there. Look, uh, I'm not by no means am I saying that 
I want a cup and I want it now. But it'd be nice to see the Devils back in the playoffs. Yeah, just, it's just been compete. a it's been a long yeah. time, all right. And uh, you, you know, stay out of the lottery. And you know, it's been a long time, but. We've also been talking a long time, so I think we're going to take our first break in this one. When we come back, folks, we're talking all things NBA. We're talking Knicks. We're talking Nets. Stick it here with us. Empire Rights back. We'll be right back. All right, we hope you enjoyed that word from our honored sponsors. Once again, I'm John Franklin. He's Sean Dyer, and now we're going to go from the ice to the hardwood. Sean, we're talking basketball here now. Um, the Knicks delving into the overseas market one more time. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not surprised, but I'm also a little, uh, I guess the word that I'm looking for here is not, I'm not surprised about them doing it, but I'm also, intri- I'm intrigued. Uh, nobody really saw it coming necessarily you know this guy Frank Nalikina was the top international prospect of the draft but I I would have never expected him to come to the Knicks as early as he did yeah so I um yeah I agree I think uh they did I mean last time they went across overseas it certainly it's worked out thus far yeah paid dividends with uh with Porzingis but you you gotta think about when they took Porzingis people were couldn't believe that and we're pretty outraged if you remember that they wanted they were very upset that Jaleel Okafor didn't fall one more to the Knicks uh which I, I'm sure every single can't be a single Knicks fan out there that wishes they had Okafor yeah. to Porzingis now so I mean there's always an unknown with an international prospect because especially people in New York we, we watched the the Big East tournament or any any the NCAA tournament all these college basketball games and you didn't see Nilikino Nilik, Nilik, once um, because he's over in France. So I think uh, I think Knicks. You have to be excited. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not a Nick, I'm personally not a Knicks fan myself, but I, I root for them. But it's it's hard because they yeah. just it's they just don't really seem to know what they're doing. But if you look at if you look at the board, I mean. Obviously, Fultz and Ball, you knew they weren't making it to eight. Same with Jackson and Tatum. I think I think the dream pick for Knicks fans was probably De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that, even he was five, not eight. What I, what shocked me is, to because watching the NBA this year, it was how bad the Knicks are. It, I, I couldn't believe that there were seven teams that were worse than the Knicks. I thought they had to be picking top five based on how... Because how, it, it was... Yeah. Even it was even when they weren't on the court, it was just the Phil Jackson drama. It just seemed like nothing. Charles Oakley, nothing was going yeah. right for the Knicks. I'm like, how how did seven seven franchises that were even worse? So I think uh, I couldn't believe there were eight, but I think I th- personally thought Dennis Smith Jr. would have been the yeah pick. from NC State. He yeah. was talented. Also this year a point too. guard. Um, and so also, I thought that would might have been the move. Well, the thing with Dennis Smith too that he was freshman of the year in the ACC, yeah, which, which is it. Which is insane considering talent the talent that was That's coming out of the probably the best conference in, in yeah. basketball this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not compl- I I'm not. I don't really pledge allegiance to an NBA team, but I'm definitely not complaining with this pick. I think uh, the way that I look at it, now you have a European core. I mean, you yeah. got Kristaps, you got Willie Hernan Gomez, right? Who is you know he's all right. 
he's a they good made, player. Uh, I believe he made first team all rookie team today. Yeah, I mean that, which is something to be excited about as a Knicks fan. You yeah. take what you can get, especially with all the drama surrounding everything. But now you got a six foot five guy that can handle the ball. That's really not something to bat your eye at, you know. Right, and if you if you looked at the Knicks roster coming into the draft. You had Porzingis, who's obviously your present and your future. Hernan Gomez is a nice piece to build around in the future as well. And Carmelo, as as I personally think Melo doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, being in New York, and Knicks fans don't appreciate him like they should, but he's not the future. He's, he's getting up there in age. He's going to give you a couple more years, and then he's going to move on. And aside from those three guys, there's not a ton of talent on this roster. There's not a guy that you think that you consider – a piece to build around. So really, as a Knicks fan, any anybody, any type of talent, position-wise, right. position it was it didn't matter. You could take any position. Um, so I think, yeah, it's he's a talented guard that you need. You need a you need a point guard. It's uh, I mean, if you look at the, around the league, you get Curry and Westbrook, and now James Harden is a point guard. It's it's a point guard Kyrie. It's a point guard driven league. Yeah. So you need you need a good point guard, and I mean, look at the top two picks, Fultz and Ball, both point guards. So. Um, yeah, you definitely need a point guard to compete in today's NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I think, yeah, you got to be excited as a Knicks fan. Um, I'm sure there are Knicks fans that are disappointed just because they never heard of the kid. But if you if you yeah. watch if you watch highlights and you look at the numbers and, and read uh, read up on the kid, he's really a talent, talented. talented player. Really um, talented. You wrote a piece. Yeah. On uh, Empire Rights Back. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it in a second. But the one thing that I was, um, you know, I admire too about the league as opposed to uh, the Nalikina pick is that, you know, like you said, it's a point guard-driven league, but with the, with the Knicks, the move that this means is get get rid of Derrick Rose. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you you kind of thought he was going. He's, he, yeah, he's hitting free agency, and it doesn't, he didn't seem... Keen on the idea of coming back. No. But this this is the the period, the exclamation point, too. Right. Whatever you Slam, want to call slams it. Slams it or closes yeah, it, just shutting it. Should, it. Don't let it hit you on your way out. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the Derrick Rose move to begin with. He's aged. He's got injury problems. And then the worst part about it was going after Joakim Noah. That that contract and whatever garbage that Phil Jackson (laughs) wants to go through to say that that was a good contract, um, by all means, I'd love to get a, a very wordy, ridiculous explanation from him, but it just didn't make sense. There was no reason to go after Noah no. after you get Rose and you got and you have talent down low. I just I never understood it. It was just a way to bring in Rose. But now you get in the Lickina who he could can attack the rim. He's got size, he's got length. He's he's a little bit more on the muscular side for a guy as lanky as he is. He can play in the post. He can shoot over guards. I think talent wise, this is a great pick. I think it, and it takes, the other thing that's going to be huge for them is it's not a big name, like we said. Nobody coming out of this draft is going to be thinking about what's Frank Nielikina doing in New York. It takes a little bit of an eye out of the New York situation with what Phil Jackson's been, you know, screwing up, and like the whole Mello thing, and trading Porzingis, which, thank God it didn't happen. Yeah, I think that's, that's the real... The real win for a Nick fan, I think the big win on draft day is that you came out of it, and Porzingis is still a Nick. Yeah, if he you, is still a Nick. If you traded him, it's. I, I just, what do you what do you have to look forward to this year? If Porzingis isn't a Nick, you why are you gonna go, you're not gonna go watch Melo, who yeah. if we're being honest is 
it's on the he's on the downswing of his career. If if there's no Porzingis, there's really there's not much to watch. Although the reports, if they the reports were that the off the, what they were asking for the, from the Celtics, Jay Crowder, Jalen Brown, the number three pick, which ended up being Jason Tatum, and then the Brooklyn Nets 2018 first round pick. If you got if they got that, okay, you could swallow that because you get some pieces that you maybe help you now and in the future. But realistically, you're not going to get any type of package like that uh, for Porzingis, as good as he is. Um, so whatever, I think anything you got for Porzingis would have been upsetting. So the fact that he's still around definitely definitely makes it a win. So you get to keep Porzingis, you get Nalikina, I th- get now you have two international guys to build your team around. And to your point of the Rose and Noah contracts, I think that's why uh, Melo doesn't get the credit he deserves. Phil Jackson tried to put... Mellow on the 2012 Bulls yeah. in 2016, and that's you. There's not the age and health. It's mm, just not going to work yeah, out. I agree. People, a lot of Knicks fans that the Knicks fans that boo him when they lose a game or he can't hit the shot, they want him to be what LeBron was for the Cavs before he went to the Heat and take a mediocre team all the way to the finals and compete for championships every year. And as good as Carmelo is, he's not LeBron James. Yeah, nobody is. No, he, he's he's been on broken rosters for almost his entire career so i, I he, like you said he doesn't just does not get the credit he no should he, he's one of the best players in the nba but it's just the new york market is obviously a ton of pressure if he was if he if his career uh individual numbers and team win loss records were what they were and he played his whole career in denver he'd be looked at so much higher than he is now but it's the knicks it's new york there's a ton of pressure so yeah. it's we're not winning cha- like i said uh, with the Rangers, you're not winning championships. Uh, great, you, even if you're winning playoff series, we want championships. And the Knicks obviously haven't even been to the playoffs recently, yeah. so it's there's a lot of pressure on him. But I think he uh, is definitely underappreciated in New York. But uh, I really think this this kid is going to help him. I'm going to be honest with you. I think this Nalikina kid, um, you know, you don't Mello is obviously like we talked about previously about hockey. You know, father time, like you said, undefeated. Um, Melo's getting up there. There's no question yeah. about it. And yeah. what this kid Nalikina does is he's a big guy that's going to handle the ball. Melo doesn't have to run any sort of, you know, swingman yeah, point says, that yeah, he's yeah. been doing, you know. And this kid, as good of a scorer as he is, the way he can attack the rim with his size, he is a very talented passer. Very, very talented. When I was watching his highlight tapes, which if you go to my article on our website, you'll catch his highlights in there. Um really just strong mentality with the ball for a person that's so young and it takes Melo out of the mindset of I need the ball in a one-on-one situation and I'm going to shoot that fade over whoever's guarding me and you know let's be let's be real it's Kristaps New York now it's not it's not Melo's court if Melo is uh at this point he's you know, a side piece to the main attraction. Which is probably good for not only the Knicks, but also Carmelo to take yeah. a little pressure off himself. And, you know, I think that I think that really does um, help the team as a whole, but the Knicks aren't the only team in New York. You're right. But it's, I, I kind of wish they were for the amount of drama that they provide us with week in and week they, out. They, they definitely, they fill the headlines enough that we don't need another one, but we got another one. But the Nets, on the other hand, are just in... A, like a never-ending cycle of, I don't even There's, know what to call it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's just a downward spiral. 
Right, because as a as a Knicks fan, you're like, oh, there's not a whole lot to look forward to. But just look over in Brooklyn and yeah, and look at that uh, look roster at a and, and the, yeah, the, <laughs> not only just the the roster and what the lack or the lack of a roster, and then the draft picks. It's but it's a new it's a new uh, front office, and they're trying to patch up the whole the gigantic holes that the former front office has given them. So I, I give yeah. them credit for what they're doing. So we'll 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 go into what they're doing. Um, they had the twenty first pick, no twenty second. I mean, let's see, twenty twenty second. The Nets had the twenty second pick in this year's draft. They got that pick from the Wizards when they traded Bogdanovich at the deadline, and they took a kid, Jared Allen, center out of Texas. He's a big kid. He's. Uh, I mean, they need size on that on that roster. Yeah, they uh, they they like the Knicks. You're looking just talent. You need somebody. You need anything. You need the best available at that spot. Not you, you need the talent. You need the upside. This kid, 19 years old, just turned 19 a couple months ago. Uh, he's a little under seven foot. He's a shop locker. He's gonna protect the rim for you. He's weighing at 235 pounds too. That's a big man. Yeah, he's a he's a very big man. And uh, like I said, he's just turned 19, so there's room to grow. He'll uh, definitely get in an NBA weight room, put some put some pounds on, get some muscle. So that's something to uh, to look forward to. Uh, of course, they did not have the number one pick that they technically should have had. Uh, so the, there's uh, there's that, and the, the Celtics trade. Only though the, the Nets fans just have to keep remember. There's only one more year. One next year, first rounder is also going to the Celtics. But then 2019, yeah, you get your pick back, and hopefully you can add some talent there. But well, let me ask you a question here. Do you think you know they go out and they get D'Angelo Russell? Who is a very talented player for the Absolutely. record? I mean, it's the number two pick just two years ago. Well, yeah. If you're and he's a point guard, yep. like we we're just saying, point guard driven league. If you're looking at the draft this year, let's say the next the Nets hypothetically had the first overall, and they take Markel Fultz, is it apples to oranges to say that D'Angelo Russell would be it like two years later? You're getting is, a point is, guard. Is, is, is you're getting is that point guard is that trade kind of taking the sting out of not having that pick. So, well, I mean... It's you, all you, hypothetical. You, you have a point there. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't think Fultz is quite the... Or Russell isn't quite the player that Fultz is. But, like I said, it's a new front office. They're doing what, what they can, what they got. Yeah. And I think that's a, you make a good point. That's... At least you're getting a point guard. At least you added something. Yeah. You added some talent. Cause, so and a young one at that, too. Right. He's very young. He's only been in the league two years. And he's he's seemed to be developing pretty well over in L.A. Um... And that was he was the guy over there. He's a big spotlight post Kobe. He's the kind of the face of the franchise there, which is so, so hard to do. Right. That's I mean it's impossible to follow up a guy like Kobe. So there's a lot of pressure on him. Hopefully now you can come to Brooklyn, not to worry about the pre- the pressure so much or the big the big uh, spotlight, and just kind of play his game because at Ohio State the kid was real good. So good. Um. Yeah. And uh, to the, the the pick this year for uh, in the Celtics trade they were able to swap Celtics could swap picks. So obviously the Celtics went and got the number one pick. And the Nets ended up with the 27 pick and used it to get Russell. So I think I think that trade's a win, a big win for the Nets because you got Brook Lopez, an expiring contract. You're gonna lo- he was gonna walk this year. Yeah, you, you weren't gonna. You there's got no way he's coming back. More than you bargained for with him. Oh, he was, he, he was a great player. He was he was your guy because he was the guy when they had, when they got KG and Paul Pierce. Yep. In that Celtics trade, they had also had Joe Johnson and Darren Williams, and that was the big the starting five that was supposed to take the league by storm. 
obviously it didn't work out. But even Which after those, those names on paper, looking back at it, right? Oh, it's I mean, just it sounds like a video game. It does. Yeah, you you put together like because you already had Williams, Johnson, and Lopez, and Joe like, Johnson was so good then too. Yeah, you you have your big three, which is what everybody's looking for these days, and then you go and get KG and Paul Pierce, proven winners in Boston, and just and savvy veterans. And obviously, it, it blew up in their faces. But I mean, you make the move then, and you move on now. Yeah. But yeah. Even even post those four veterans leaving, Brook Lopez gave you good basketball for the last few years. Yeah. And he's an expiring contract. So you take an expiring contract, and the first round pick you end up getting instead of the number one pick, and you turn into a talented point guard in Daniel Russell. Very true. So you take you have him. You still have Jeremy Lin. Uh, Karis Levert is a young guy. And uh, Sean Kilpatrick, those are two I guys. I really like Sean Kilpatrick too. Kilpatrick and Lavert are two guys that most and most NBA teams wouldn't see minutes, but they're getting minutes here, and they're they're showing that they're talented. Yeah, and a lot of these. That's the thing with a lot of these NBA draft picks. Most people focus on like the top ten, because the, then it's like, oh, after that, nobody really plays that much because based on certain situation, they end up and they don't get the minutes. But you come to Brooklyn, we got nothing to lose. You we throw the you throw the kids in there and see what happens, and they've. Been talented. You have you add Jared Allen, so you got some young pieces now. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be winners right away. No, they're not. Abs- like, not that, at all. That would no. be they're definitely a definitely mul- thing to multiple say. years away. Uh, which is it's I hate to break it to net fans. 2018 draft is going to hurt just as much because that pick that's going to the Celtics most likely going to be top five, if not yeah number one. It could be number one. Uh, but probably going to be in the top five. And, and there's you- potential for a lot of good players coming into this. The draft in 2018. Yeah, too. so it's it's it's, just... it's gonna it's gonna keep stinging. It, it is, but Net fans already know that. We yeah. don't need to tell them that. Yeah, uh, we don't need to rub salt in the wound. They know. But so you gotta look at the bright side and adding a couple young kids and Allen and Russell, and you gotta look forward to 2019. That's when the dra- that's your big draft. You get because yeah. they're gonna be bad this year, so you'll be picking a top five of 2018, and you're not gonna get add anybody in the top right. five. So you're probably gonna be bad again. Yeah. But then 2019, you're probably picking top three, maybe number one. Then you get your guy there to build around with Russell and hopefully Allen. I mean, it's just, again, like you said, the front office is doing their thing right now, and you got to really respect it for what they've been, essentially what they've been thrown into. Uh, But, you know, there is, there's whipped cream on top of garbage in all of this for for the (laughs) Nets and Knicks. It looks like the turnaround is on the way. Maybe... If, if I'm going to make a bold statement here, maybe the Nets a little quicker than the Knicks, even with the talent there. But the thing is, Phil Jackson and that franchise and drama, it doesn't matter what age you are, what level of sport you're playing. You could be playing rec basketball in fifth grade. I don't care. If there's drama surrounding anything, if you don't like somebody else on the court, if you don't like the coach, if you don't like the front office guys... Yep. You're not going to play well for them. Makes it a lot harder to win. Yeah, a lot harder to win. Um, But we're going to take our last break before we kind of wrap things up. We just talked basketball. We already talked ice hockey. Now we're going to hit the baseball diamond when we get back. Once again, I'm John Franklin. He's John Dyer. We'll see you in a little bit. And we are back, folks. This is the the we're heading towards the stretch. We're 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 hitting the end of this one, the end of the first one, but first of many. Once yeah. again, I'm John Frank alongside uh, my wonderful co site expert Sean Dyer. And you know, 
baseball in New York has been kind of a whirlwind. Um, for you guys listening out there, obviously, um, we got to divide Mets, Yankees, but right now the Yanks struggling. But the Mets, it's just, it's tough. Yeah, it's coming into the year, It you had Noah Syndergaard, foolishly, I might add, call New York a Mets town now. Which Very foolish. I think, because it, it's just, until you actually win a World Series, you shouldn't be calling any, anything your town. Yeah. But coming into the year, it was, they were the team with the potential. They were supposed, they had the pitching. Oh, they, so much. Their is coming back. You hope Conforto takes some steps, which he has. So you had the Mets were supposed to some do some things, compete with the Nationals for for an NL East title, and then you had the Yankees who just rebuilding. sold off the veterans. They're rebuilding. We'll put it in air quotes because yeah. we don't talk about that in uh, in the Bronx. No, we Cashin won't call it a rebuild, but but they're they were in transition. We'll say yeah. Uh, so they weren't supposed to be anything special, and you had the Red Sox just getting Chris Sale. They were the, the the big team in the AL, and you also had the Indians coming off a World Series trip. The Yankees were not in the AL picture coming in, and the Mets were in the NL picture in terms of playoffs. But it's uh, at least to start the year for the Yankees, looking good. Struggled recently. But, yeah, the Mets, it's been quite a struggle over in Queens. Yeah, and they got uh, – you guys want to head out for a good sale. Make sure you catch the, the Mets on their uh, – Everything must go campaign yeah. that they're kind of hopping on. It's just not nailed to the floor. It's going. Yeah, it's just you could go in to City Field and come out holding your very own as uh, Drupal Cabrera. You could, <laughs> yeah, and he would he would love that. If yeah, he, just he, take him out of there. I don't care where he's going. He could be heading on the Li Double R anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but he wants his he wants his way entirely out of Queens. He, it's honestly baffling. Um, Cabrera, who was so fiery in, in the playoffs, you know, and he was just so, he was so good, um, suddenly wants out. Yeah. Well, a couple yeah. weeks ago, he we went and dropped that pop-up, uh, Luis Castillo. That was, that was beautiful. Um, so, I, I remember, I was watching it live. I was live watching it, and, too. And I'm like, oh, I, I jokingly was like, oh, he's going to drop it. No, no one ever drops that ball. He actually dropped the ball. But, yeah, he... Uh, that's when you. It's never never good when you have people demanding trades, because it's one when the Yankees when they were getting ready to make their their deadline sell off, nobody's like demanding out. Even most teams like the Royals right now. It's they may be on their way to a fire sale as they don't have the money to re-sign some guys and they're not playing that well. So you sell them, but nobody's saying I I want out of here. I can't I can't do it here. It's never never good to have a guy, especially a guy like Cabrera who's. A pretty important piece. It's not like yeah, it's not like the guy because he's playing. It's not like it's a guy who's like, oh, he's your backup catcher. Like, he wants a starting opportunity. Yeah, or a Wilmer Flores type deal. Yeah, who want, he thinks he could start somewhere else. He when healthy, as Drupal Cabrera is starting for the Mets, and he just yeah. he wants out. Um, so that's it's not good. I, but personally, I think Cespedes and Conforto offensively only got anybody else. You keep them. There's. Yeah. Obviously, you got the contract assessment, and he's not playing poorly. And Conforto is a young guy; he's having a great year, and he's finally taking the steps to being possibly a star in this in the league. Any, any anything else offensively, I would trade. You got Neil Walker, who's going to be a free agent. Unfortunately, he's healthy; he's he's hurt on the DL, so it's going to be yeah. tough to trade him. Duda's contract's getting up; he's going to be a free agent, so I would trade him. Cabrera already wants out. Jose Reyes is just terrible. Horrible. Batting under 200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's, you can't trade him, but you no. should get rid of him. Um, Option him down something. Yeah, and then Granderson, 
Uh, if you could get rid of him, I would I would do it. And then Jay Bruce, I think, is their best trade piece offensively. He's having a good year. He's got pop, too. Yeah. That man can swing a bat. Yeah, he, he drives and runs uh, as just about as good as anybody else. So he's definitely the big piece. And then in terms of pitching, Syndergaard and DeGrom, those are your guys I would keep. I would trade Wheeler if I could get something for him. Yeah, I would. If if I could if I could get a good prospect package for a healthy Steven Matz. I was just gonna say that. As good as I think Steven Matz is, and I think I would I wouldn't blame him if they kept him. He could be definitely that third guy behind Degrom and Syndergaard. But if you can get like a Glaber Torres or or a or a Clint Frazier, something like yeah. something someone in MLB.com is like top thirty, and yeah. they offer you that for a guy who would be a one or a two elsewhere, but is. The Mets have he's been yeah. he hasn't been healthy and the Mets have have not had at least in the last few years their issues never been k- pitching yeah it's been no. keeping pitching healthy but it hasn't been bringing pitchers up right. so if I would if you could get a prospect for him I would ship him Harvey same thing he's gonna be a free agent in that loaded 2018 class so you can get a little yeah. uh, head start on shipping him out because he's not gonna be a free agent but that you get more for those guys if you have team control the guys want a team wants that even Plus, more you know it it. We always forget about it as fans that this league is a business. Yeah. I mean, players that are big names like Matt Harvey one time, like the Dark Knight, starting the All-Star game in New York, you yep. put him in, like, in a low-end market that isn't winning games, people are coming to the ballpark. Yeah. Like, they want to watch a guy like that play. And he's you a could, fiery guy. Yeah. He's exciting to watch. And you, could, and you could look at it from that end of things and say, all right, maybe we, we – trade Harvey to somebody who yes they're not succeeding but they got some really good prospects and they're willing to give them up just to sell a ticket you know yeah. that's it's definitely doable there are teams with front office guys out there that think about it in that regard and you know you can't knock them for thinking about it that way especially with a guy like Harvey because you get him you'll get him for the rest of this year and you got him for another year yeah it's not a guy where it's like you don't trade for a rental to fill the seats because you got a couple months and you can't exactly. especially low market you can't guarantee you bring him back but a guy like Harvey with multiple years left on his deal, you could get a pretty good, uh, pretty good prospect package for yeah, a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely true. And, you know, the Mets, in and of themselves, they have the capability to win. Like, they can they can beat the good teams. The talent is there. They, yeah. were, they were a great team last year, and they were supposed to get better. Conforto was supposed to step up. supposed to get, you get Wheeler back. Help. If their pitching was healthy, it would be a completely different story. I agree. And, you know, they've, they've always struggled with run support with these pitching staffs that they've had. And the offensively, they might need a shakeup. Well, that's that, the worst thing about the for Mets fans is that this year their offense hasn't blown anybody away, but it's been better than it's been. Yeah, and they finally it's finally getting going a little bit. And of course, the pitching is falling apart. Everybody's injured. Everyone's on the DL. But yeah, I think you definitely need, obviously if a guy like Cabrera. When someone demands a trade, you almost have to honor it because if they don't want to be there, you don't want them there. Yeah, because they're not, not going to play. Not good for yeah. the clubhouse. Is you, when someone is not does not want to be there, you don't want them to be there. Well, Sean, you know, Cabrera wants a trade. You want to get him out of there. Do it. You have a guy in AAA that is raking the cover off the ball, and you're not giving him his due with Rosario. I mean, he it's, is. It's painful. It's, it's so hard. It's that well. This is the the way the Mets have played this year, because of how poorly they've played and how they're basically out of the playoffs. The biggest the Mets fans' biggest focus, I think, a lot of them has been on Ahmed Rosario down in AAA. He it's it's unbelievable what he's doing. He's batting three nineteen. He's got seven homers. He's driven in forty eight runs. 
He's also going to add 13 stolen bases. And if you look at MLB.com scouting grades, he's plus-plus in fielding and arm. So his best aspect is defensively. He's hitting fantastic. So I'm not, sh- I'm not entirely sure what the Mets are waiting for. I don't know what they, I don't know what more they need to see from him. Uh, I guess they have, I guess they have their reasoning. But yeah, when you, if you have a guy like Cabrera who wants out, Jose Reyes is an easy candidate to just be designated for assignment. Yeah. Tell him to, to be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just so, and then, so then you, and then you have Neil Walker who's injured. So you're, you're infield. There's spots in that infield for him to play. You could easily put him at shortstop. Wilmer Flores and T.J. Rivera can rotate second, third. You mix guys in there. But you could easily, easily create a spot for him at shortstop. Because right now, with when Cabrera goes, went down, Jose Reyes is your shortstop. One of the worst hitting players in all of baseball. In the league. All of baseball. <laughs> so you could, it's, it's, it seems simple. I don't, I, I'm sure the Mets have their reasoning and I, we don't know it. But from the outside looking in, it's a, almost a perfect storm of yeah. a prospect being ready to go. And he, he's 21. Which is a nice, like, that's a round age of a guy who has a long time of a career ahead of him. But yeah. you bring him up now, that experience at 21, when he's 23 years old, if he's as good as people think he's going to be, that's, yeah. you're doing it right. Well, that's the growth you need. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the reasonings for him not being up could possibly be the whole, the whole contract thing. If, if you bring him up too early, then you got to pay him a little bit earlier. But if this kid is as good as he seems to be, if you have to give him that huge contract when he's 25 instead of, he's t- instead of being 26, yeah, who cares? That if you're giving him that big contract at 25 instead of 26, that means he's good. That means he's yeah. playing great baseball for you at shortstop, and you have your future shortstop. If you have to pay him a year early, I I I would deal with it. I don't think you have to worry about it because. At least you know that means you have a good shortstop. If you're wor- if that's a problem down the road, it's a good problem to have because you got a guy that's worth paying at 25 years old. I agree, and you know, transitioning things, uh, it's nice to see you know, whereas we're looking at a team that's trying to find that time to bring up a prospect that's so good. Look across the way and what's going on in the Bronx because. That's how you run youth. <laughs> yeah. that, it's, it, you and I have been talking about this long before we were on uh, Empire Rights Back. Just as fans watching Absolutely. the game, I, yeah. we, when they drafted Aaron Judge, this kid is going to be unbelievable. He we, was in the College World Series uh, home run derby. We've been waiting for a very long time. We were getting ready for Judgment Day so long, long. before it happened. And we, at the time, were... A little critical of Cashman for not bringing him because we were so excited and you just yeah. wanted to see him. But you got to give him credit that I, he certainly picked the right time, the right way to do it. Brought him up at the end of last year, and the power was there. Obviously, oh. first first at bat hits a home run, but he had he had uh, holes shot. in his swing and he was striking out a lot. And you got to give Judge credit, hu- a mu- humongous amount of credit. Uh, if you look at his stats in the minor leagues, every time he go up, he went up to Double A, he struggled. He would go up in the mid-year, go up to double-A, struggle. Then start the next year at double-A, kill it. Move up to triple-A, struggle. Start the next year at triple-A, kill it. And then he did the same thing every year. Every year he struggles. He struck, Every time he goes up a level, struggles a little bit. And then he, he makes such great adjustments and then just kills it. And obviously uh, it's working out quite well for him yeah. right nowadays. And, you know, the thing I love to look at is just the, the comparison of his swing from last year to this year. If you look at it, his swing last year, it seemed almost – not, I wouldn't call it lazy, but much more upright. He's standing straight up. He's not 
jumping into the ball, like taking a step towards. Uh, you look at his swing this year, it's night and day. He's got his knees bent. He's starting with an open-type stance, and he steps in towards the ball. His plate coverage is unbelievable because of the way he steps towards it. And then just his size in general and the amount he, you know, the torque he gets in a swing is going to generate enough power. Right. But the average is what's mind-boggling to me. That's what's been most impressive, Beca- absolutely. Because you look at a guy who's he's supposed to come up and he's supposed to hit home runs. That right. was his whole thing. That you was, just look at him. You obviously, you obviously you a power hitter. Power. You're six seven, two eighty. You're a power hitter. Right, but when you're batting over three hundred, sitting three thirty two, that's insane. That I mean, you're batting that well, and you're hitting home runs. You're driving runs in. He's without a doubt. If the season ended today, he's got to be the MVP and the Rookie of the Year. Hundred percent. There's no, there's no doubt about it. He's got a non-base percentage over four forty. He takes his walks, which is a big thing, big change yeah. from last year. All those strikeouts he had last year, he's not, he doesn't chase the pitch, the, the two strike pitch now. He's but, so yeah. good with two strikes, especially now with the twenty six home runs. Pitchers get him to two strikes and are still fearing him. They still yeah. don't want to throw him a third strike. They make they want to make him swing they at a ball. They that down and away slide. They want him yeah. to they want him to swing at a ball for a third strike. They're not throwing him a third strike, and he has shown great patience, waiting, working at the full, full count. Then they have to come in, gets a base hit, or he'll take the walk. He takes his walks. He gets on base. He hits for power. Hits for average. He's even stolen a few bases, and he's been great defensively. He's made some highlight catches. He makes the routine catches. And just, uh, he's got a great arm. Yeah, there's not there's I not mean, a whole lot missing. And his we'll, intangibles are unbelievable. And he, oh, and he's and he's an unbelievable just human being outside. outside I was of the just going to say that when you watch when you listen to him be interviewed, he he he's gotten the Jeter comparisons, and I I see it's obviously it's, it's hard a long to time make. coming. I it's, I it's, have said it. I'll own up to it. It's difficult to put that on somebody, but. He's just so well spoken, and he doesn't. It's he's not. It's not about him. No. He, they ask him questions about what he did that day, his stats that day, and he said, I'm "Just glad we got a team win. It's all about the team." They ask him, "Oh, you could be in the home run derby." I'm just trying to win games right now. I have a job to do out in the field. Are you gonna win MVP? I'm. Too, I don't make enough money to win MVP. I have. I'm, I need to win games, and then we'll worry about that later. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. I mean, the be- the best thing to me was I went to a game a few weeks ago and. You watch him, and he will stand there during warm-ups and just sign autographs up the right field line. All the kids love him. It's yep. you, you got a guy in New York now playing for a team that just is synonymous with winning, an organization that always wins. It's, it's been the Yankees thing since the get-go, since the beginning. And now not only does he help them win games, and he's the guy, but he's the guy you want your kid to look up to regardless of what team you're rooting for. Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing. He's because the Yankees outside of New York are such a hated team. Yeah. Because of the way they do, they've done it recently with the big money contract, and, just yes, throwing yeah. money at veterans. But you wrote about it on Empire Rides Back that he's you can't. He's so hard to hate. Yeah. And there's so many Yankees that I will like a Rod. So easy to hate. Yes. So easy to hate. But you have a guy like Judge, and he's outside. You got you have to root for him. If, unless, Red Sox fans obviously going to hate him. Mets fans are going to hate him. But guy yeah. like. Like a Cubs fan or a Diamondbacks fan, you can't be like, "Oh, I hate Aaron Judge." He's, he, it's where you could say, "Oh, I hate everybody." He's making two hundred and fifty million dollars to hit these home runs. Aaron Judge is such a likable guy, and and it's, he went it's up, a refreshing. And he went up, you know, the way that a baseball player should be brought up. It wasn't like he came up, did well, and went to a big market. He came up through the big market. 
Yep. And he owned it, and he owned the spotlight that he came into, and he won, and he's winning, and it's just exactly what you want to see out of a guy like that. And you know, and he's we taking could, it hum- humbly every step of the way. Exactly. And the the tough part about it now is that with all the team struggles, he continues to do well. Yeah. You know, he does. He just continues to hit the ball well. The other day they lost eight one. He had the solo home run. That was yeah. It. And you know, that's just who he is. But the the wheels are teetering. Off the wagon right now for the Yankees. Yeah. Hicks. There's some struggle. Yep. Could be a potential All Star. Goes down with an injury. Yep. Go head, heads to the GL with an with some oblique yeah, discomfort. Yeah. Says the soreness. Three to four weeks. Uh, he says he's expected to be on the shelf. Luckily for the Yankees, the exact the day before Ellsbury comes back, so Ellsbury slides right into center field today. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he can get back on track too. I yes. Mean, and Ellsbury, he was playing. He was hitting the ball well before he got injured. Uh, the only the biggest question mark with Ellsbury has always been how long is he going to stay healthy for? Because yeah, exactly. you can't the way it's gone because you got Castro leaving the game tonight with an injury. Uh, Sanchez has been banged up here and there. Uh, Holiday is out tonight yeah. and yesterday with a, an allergic reaction, and he's, <laughs> he's, he's he's still sick. It's been days, so you you really can't afford another injury. So you need Ellsbury to stay healthy, and obviously everybody else to stay healthy as well. Yeah. Um, and they're just saying that Castro's injury is a hamstring strain. Hamstring, yeah. So that's and that's what you had uh, CC go down with. So you hope it's a little uh, less of an issue. CC though is supposed to be back by the end of the month, but yeah, the injury bug starting to hit them uh, at a tough time because they were already losing. Before they had the seven game losing streak, mostly healthy, and then you start losing uh, some players. It definitely hurts, but it, it, it really it sucks for Hicks because he's having such an unbelievable year. After struggling for much of his career with the Twins and last year with the Yanks, and he's putting up all-star numbers. Well, he was a top prospect when he was coming up. Don't forget, right? Well, he, oh, he was—he's highly he was, touted, absolutely. But he struggled when he hitting major league pitching, and he's finally getting it going, and he deserves an all-star spot. Absolutely. But coming into the year, he was the fourth outfitter, so he's not on the ballot, so he's not going to get voted in. He could get put in by a, uh, one of the managers, but obviously, if he's out, They're he'll not probably be it. out right up until round. Maybe even beyond yeah, the All Star game, so it doesn't look great for him now. But he's having a great year, anyways. Um, but, but yeah, they need to get back on track. Well, you know what it is for me with the getting back on track thing. Uh, I'm glad the injury bug hit him a little early because that gives time for a team to get healthier. If you're optimistic, I mean, right. if, if you think that they're going to come back and be healthy and do well, like CC before he got hurt, the youth he found this year has been yeah, it's remarkable. And I love to I love to watch that guy pitch. I don't care when he's pitching. I love and the way he uses his location now he knows he's not gonna overpower anybody, but his his changeup is still lights out. He's become a better pitcher. He doesn't his stuff yes. has deteriorated as anyone's does with age. But a lot of guys because when he was making the big money, he was ninety seven mile an hour, throwing absolute heat. Uh, which back then, because now a lot of guys throw 97, 98, but yeah. even just a few years ago, it was not that common. He right. was throwing absolute gas and blowing people away with his stuff, and then you lose this. A lot of guys that throw that hard, when they lose the velocity, they lose it all. It all the wheels yeah. fall off, and they can't figure out how to get guys out. You look at a guy like Tim Lincecum. Nah, I was lost, just going to bring him lost up. Lost the yeah. velocity. Ne- Dropped it. Gone. Uh, Brian Wilson, the Giants reliever. Yeah. There were rumors earlier in the year he was going to come back as a knuckleballer. He's just a, a knucklehead. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you got. But CC's lost the velocity, but he's still. He your location's unbelievable. He he knows how to pitch. He mixes speeds. He doesn't have a lot of speed, but 
when you when you're able to locate a changeup, that fastball plays up so much more. And he locates right. all of his pitches. He mixes them up well. He knows how to pitch the guys. And well, he, he was un, unreal uh, before the injury. He was five and zero with an ERA under one in his six starts prior to the injury. That's insane. And you love to see that. And like, and the reason I loved that was because the Yankees went out and got a guy not pitching wise. This is just like a general observation. You go out and get a guy like Chris Carter, who is supposed to be this otherworldly power hitter. Yeah. And. You're looking at your team like, all right, yes, we just added this guy now. 41 dingers last year. He led the NL. Yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be unbelievable. But then the guys who were already there are the guys who were carrying this team. Carter's gone. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I mean. It's, it was a long time coming. But, yeah, you got a guy like Castro who was not never bad, but he's having an unbelievable oh, career yeah, year this year. Well, he, Gardner until, stepped it up power-wise especially. Right. You and got Hicks. It's, yeah. it's, it's a whole different thing. And, you know, until – I believe it was until tonight, we're going to find out if he ends up playing the next game for the Yankees. Castro, if this injury doesn't right. keep him out. Castro has played every game. Yeah. This far of the season, which is so valuable nowadays. He was uh, – yeah, he was supposed to have a day off uh, last week. And then Holiday has allergic reaction, so Castro yeah. got thrown right back in the DH spot. But yeah, he's been a, a an Iron Man of sorts for us. He's played every game, and his uh, swing is just a lot smoother this year. So many times last year, Castro would swing at so, so many yeah. so many balls in the dirt. And to me, last year he would swing at the ball in the dirt, and be like oh whatever, just walk away. Now, he doesn't swing at the ball in the dirt nearly as much, and when he does, he's visibly upset at himself. Like, he knows right. he shouldn't have done that. I think he's taken a lot of strides uh, mentally and then with his swing. And he just he seems to be playing the game a lot harder. He's he's run so many balls out this year that's blown me away. That got, He's beat out infield singles that he never would have done in the past. Yeah. I think a big thing is that we were winning and he liked winning. He, he loves it because yeah. he played for some bad Cub teams. Yeah. And it's, it's easy. It's, it is easy when you're losing games, game in, game out. You're giving it your all, still coming up short to just kind of like mail it in. Like, all right, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to hit, if I hit it, if I hit it far, I'll run. If it's, if it's a ground ball, I'm not moving. He liked winning and he it, contributed. Yeah. And he was a big part of it. Uh, he was, he's phenomenal. Didi is Becoming, team, yeah. becoming uh, a star of sorts at short. He's been one of the better shortstops in the league. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, no. especially with Judge stealing the show from everybody. I think that kind of helps Didi, though, because, you know, you come in to replace another worldly character in Derek Cheater. Yeah, yep. the, the pressure's on you. Now the pressure's a little off you with Judge kind of taking it himself. Yeah, and Judge and takes it on so well. He does. And I think Didi likes flying under the radar. He, yeah. he doesn't mind. He said he... He said, they asked him, he said he's, he's been under the flying of the radar his whole life. He doesn't mind it at all. You should remember when he first, was it 2014 when he replaced Jeter? He struggled in the beginning. He wasn't hitting and he was making errors. And after the after we traded for him, it was, bat's not totally there, but he's going to play great glove. And it wasn't it wasn't yeah, working either way. Yeah. He definitely was felt the pressure of replacing a, an absolute legend in New York and in sports. Not even just baseball, but all sports. Uh, so, but now I think he's definitely he's shaking that off. He's obviously playing yeah. great, and he definitely it's not a bad thing that he's flying under the radar. It's worked quite well to have Judge be the star and DD back him up. I totally agree with that. You know, we could sit here and also just delve into the Clippard struggles, but we all know Clippard is just whatever he's been doing. When you're a changeup pitcher, players are gonna sit on it. They're gonna hit it. It's it's just it's so bad. Good, yeah. It's so bad. It's it it went from can't handle high leverage situations. 
he just can't handle situations. He, he, he came he's in the come other in night. With, he, he, would, he would come in with a one or two run lead, give it up. I get that that's, that's a lot of pressure there. Came in, we're up five. We were up six. It was eight to two. He, up six. What did he give? Three? He gave two, no, he gave two runs. Two, two runs. He threw seven pitches, gave up a leadoff double, and then a home run, and Girardi pulled him. Yeah, that, and all of a sudden it's a game again. Yeah, that's terrible. You're giving, you're giving the opponent life, and then the other day he comes in, we're down 4-1. We're already losing. You're down three. Just get three outs and give us a chance. Maybe we'll put the other three runs in the ninth. Gives up four runs in the inning. And now it's 8-1, and it's over. Everybody's exiting the stadium. Yeah. It's over. Actually, not everybody exited the stadium because Judge was leading off the nine. So they stuck around, <laughs> watched the Judge. I think he got out, and then they then they bailed. Then everybody left. But yeah. it was crazy to see everybody. It's like, oh, wait. All right, Clippers terrible, but Judge is coming up. We That's can't how leave. We can't leave is. yet. And just the other day, we were I was watching the game, and my brothers are about or they're about to uh, about to leave. I'm like, you guys can't leave. Judge is up. And they're like, what? All right. Yeah. Judge goes deep. I'm like, you don't you don't leave when this man is up. Yeah, it's you, must it's watch too TV. You can't you can't leave your seat whether you're at it. the stadium or on your couch. You got to watch this guy. Uh, he's the bright, definitely the bright spot. If he could keep this going for a whole year, and just be with that one steady piece in the lineup, you get, a guy like Holiday's a veteran. He's he'll hit when he gets healthy. He's gonna hit. Castro has has struggled a little bit. They said he had a wrist injury he was dealing with. Now he's got the other injury, but if he gets healthy, he'll keep hitting. Didi's gonna hit. Guys are going to go through their slumps. Yeah. But if Judge could be that guy in the middle of the lineup that is just steady the whole way, which is hard, it's going to be hard to do. He's going to go through some slumps. But if he can keep them just to a couple games, the other guys will get back in their grooves. And uh, Sanchez has been lights out since he moved yeah. came back and moved down to the six hole. Uh, he's been money. So I think. Hit a few home runs this week. Yeah. Yep. He hit one, just hit one yesterday. Yep. Uh, got us back in the game. So yeah, he. There's. The hitting is going to be there. It's there's gonna go, the hitting in general for any team. It's great on offense. Any ba- any baseball offense around, they go through their ups and downs. It's it's just the nature of the sport. If you hit, if you get out seven out of ten times, you're a hall of famer. So you guys are they're gonna they're gonna go through ups and downs, and offense is gonna come and go. But the pitching is what needs to turn around. Tanaka, last start, looked Very phenomenal. Good. Phenomenal. So I'm not gonna hold my breath. Yeah, though. you gotta knock on wood with that one. But he, uh, if he could, if he could somehow find it, find it, it doesn't have to be eight eight shutout every time. Just give me seven, give me seven and two innings. runs. I don't give me six keep and us, one run. Keep Just, us in a situation where the the lineup is gonna put up. There was a, a time I think it was the last I don't know how many losses the Yankees have had. Pitching has given up more than five runs in in so many of those games. If you give up less than four runs. I would say this team can win the game seven times out of ten. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. It, it's, they have the offense for it. It's Tanaka giving you quality starts. Severino had a rough rough go last time out, but he uh, in, He's been as a, a whole spot, yeah. has been phenomenal. He's looked like an ace. He's looked like the ace that we expected Tanaka to be. Yeah. CC prior to the injury was looking like an ace. Lights out. So if you get him healthy, Tanaka Pineda straightened out. Pineda. Looked really, really bad yesterday. Yeah, that and it true, brought back terrible, terrible flashbacks yes, to 2016. That was tough. But you need if he could. He's he's an inconsistent guy. But if he was consistent for a long time, if they can get him straightened out, he reminds me of Javier Vasquez, Pineda in a sense. He puts up the strikeout numbers that Javi did, and it yeah. doesn't always result in good things. The quality starts that you would expect it to be. Yeah. Last year, Pineda's strikeout to walk ratio was, was one of the best, best in the league, in the yeah. league and he was still. Win loss was not there, and the ERA wasn't even there. But Montgomery's been good, so there's pieces there. Yeah. Chance Adams, just banging on that door yeah, he's to call to get called up. 
And I, the way that Cashman handled Judge, we were all ex- upset that he wasn't up earlier, and it worked out. So I guess we'll trust Cashman that yeah. he'll bring Adams when needed, but the bullpen needs to figure it out. Chapman healthy helps. Patanza has been so good. Patanza has been phenomenal all year, and I think Girardi now realizes that Clippard needs to sit down yes, for a little bit and take a break. Uh, Shreve has been really good. Holder has um, been pretty good. So it's there. And uh, Blanken, um, Chad Green also. Yes, has been Chad very Green's good. been very good, especially with now Adam Moore on the shelf. I think Green's going to now hopefully step up into that two-three inning reliever role. Yeah, the middle and he reliever throws, spot. He, when he was when he's starting, he was throwing 94-95. He's throwing ninety-seven, ninety-eight out of yeah. the pen. And he's been really good. Uh, yeah, so there's – the talent is there. Hopefully it all, it'll keep it going. But, yeah, they've, uh, they've looked good. Yeah, but they're the bright spot in New York right now, despite the struggles. It's, uh, but as you and I know, better to be a Yankee fan than a Mets fan. Absolutely right true. And uh, before we go, uh, we're going to do a little thing. It's going to be a consistent thing that we're going to go with. We're going to call it Final Thoughts. Just kind of a little, little thing that uh, we want to throw out there. I guess I'll kick it off uh, here, Sean. My – Final thought for the first Empire Rights Back podcast ever. I'm saying that CC Sabathia, after he comes back from the from the DL, All right. he's gonna have the most wins on the staff by the end of the year. Okay. I'm saying I'm saying he's the winningest pitcher on the Yankees pitching staff. Yep, might be a little outrageous to say it, but hey, that's why we do our job. You're right. I, if forty percent of the people don't like what I have to say, and sixty percent of it do, or vice versa, I don't care. Just, just have an opinion on it, folks. Yeah, feel free, feel free to let us know what you guys think. Who will be the uh, winning Yankee pitcher? I'm gonna say we got the Summer Classic All Star oh, Game yeah. July 11th, and I think there's a couple of off days after that. So probably like the 14th or so is when baseball gets back up again. Post All Star Game, I'm gonna say we'll say July 14th or 15th, whatever the first day is after the All Star break. The starting shortstop for the New York Mets. Is Ahmed Rosario? I love that. I think that. he's up by then. The trades, the, the trades may not have happened yet. Those will probably happen towards the end of July. But I think by by post All Star break, they'll they'll take the, they'll take their couple days off during the All Star break to realize, okay, this kid's ready, and he'll be he'll be in the lineup, and give the Mets another bright, hopefully a bright spot uh, to look forward to. Yeah, no, for absolutely. The second half, especially because especially when you have to, if you have to go fire sale into July, yeah, you got to have a guy like Rosario there to put guys and put people in the seats, somewhere to look forward to. I agree. 100%. So I think they start a little earlier than than the trade deadline, right after the All Star break. Rosario's playing short. Very true. And well, Sean, I think that's gonna that's gonna send us here. Don't forget, you know, check out our website www.empirerightsback.com. Don't forget to follow us on all forms of social media. We're on Facebook. Just search Empire Rights Back. Search us on Twitter at Empire Rights Back. Backspelled B C K. And don't forget to follow your co-site experts here on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Hey It's Franklin Six. Little. Shout out to my favorite childhood television show, Franklin and Turtle. And don't forget to follow Sean at Sean R. Dyer on Twitter. We got some takes to go through. We love hearing your opinions. Don't care if you like ours. Don't care if you hate ours. But we like to hear what you have to say. We will definitely get back to you on some comments. Thanks for listening in. Sean, we're going to go. Stay beautiful, everyone out there. Take it to the weekend. <laughs>